Again, good morning, and uh, we are continuing a series we kicked off uh, last week called Dinner with Jesus, or actually a couple weeks ago. Um, the thought of this series and what we're doing for this week and the next couple weeks is we're looking at some of the interactions Jesus had over a meal. And in this story, we, someone, we see someone do something that they shouldn't be doing. It's kind of like those moments when maybe you've seen someone or maybe you've done it, where you've done something at a moment when you shouldn't be doing it or you say something that you shouldn't say. And kind of like the the kind of awkwardness kind of sets in, or maybe like your heart begins to race when you realize like, I shouldn't have done that, or I shouldn't have said that at that time. Wrong thing at the wrong time, wrong words at the wrong time. Like for instance, maybe you've been in the movie theater and somebody's phone goes off in the middle of the movie, which is a no-no. But imagine that person, which listen, it happens, mistakes happen. You forget to silence your phone, you forget to turn it off. It rings. Now imagine the person behind you answers it and says, hello? Oh, no, I could talk. Everybody around them is going to like pivot and be like, what are you doing? The wrong thing at the wrong time. Or maybe you've said something and you realize, I wish I could take those words and put them right back in my mouth. One of the biggest examples is maybe you've seen it. Hopefully you've never done it because you've seen someone do it and you're like, that's a big no-no. You see a woman and you say, when's the due date? Listen, some of you are like, yep, I know firsthand experience. Shouldn't have said that. Some of you have been on the receiving end of that and you're like, yeah, no, no, no. That is not good at all. That's a no-no. Wrong words at the wrong time. You see, those two instances, if you're in them, it gets real awkward. It gets real awkward, and, and if you're the person who's done it, you realize, oh no, I should not have done this, and everybody knows it. In this story, somebody does something they shouldn't do at the wrong time, and it causes everybody to be like, this is really awkward. We hear at the beginning of Luke 11, at the beginning of our story, it goes like this, Luke 11, verse 37, while Jesus was talking, there was a Pharisee who asked him to dine with him, asked him over for dinner. And so Jesus went in and reclined at table. And the Pharisee was astonished to see that Jesus did not wash his hands before dinner. Maybe you weren't expecting that, that Jesus is the one who does something at the wrong time, who doesn't do something that he should have done. And it causes everybody to be like, what is going on here? Now, before you think that Jesus is breaking all like hygiene rules, because like they knew basic hygiene back then. I know it was first century. They still knew like, hey, you got dirt on your hands, you need to take clean. That's not the washing of the hands that is being referred to. What's happened is before meals... Jewish religious leaders had this practice of not washing your hands like for cleaning, but rather for this ritual that was to clean you spiritually before a meal. And so they would take a pitcher of water, you'd pour it down your hand and let it roll down your arm. And it was kind of this symbolic way of showing I am making myself pure before taking in food. I'm making myself before pure before God. And they made a big deal about it. And there's a whole bunch of rules that were created around not 
washing your hands so that your hands are physically clean, but rather these spiritual and these other ceremonial laws all around it. That's what Jesus broke. Is Jesus showed up to dinner and he broke all the social norms. In other words, he went to dinner where he was invited to. He is a guest. And then he basically is like, all your practices, I'm going to ignore them. And they get offended. As you probably would if you had a guest come over and, and seem to act in a way that was, that was disrespectful to you. And Jesus is doing this not because he simply forgot to wash his hands. No, Jesus didn't forget. He did it on purpose. He did it for an intended effect. Here was Jesus' purpose, is he was, he was showing the Pharisees, you're missing it. You're missing the main point. Because after he does this, and he kind of sees their kind of awkwardness, and they're kind of staring at Jesus, like, Jesus, you shouldn't be doing this. Jesus then goes off on them. Like, if you remember our, our reading from Luke 11, it is not a happy, meek Jesus. It is a It is a harsh Jesus who brings the hammer down on the Pharisees. And he wants them to know, he wants him to know, you're missing it. And now, before we think the Pharisees are the bad guys, the Pharisees in that day and age, they were the good guys. They were the ones who cared about people like reading the Bible. They were the ones who cared about people taking these words seriously. They were the ones who looked around at their culture and were like, man, our culture is fading away fast because they're turning away from God. Sound familiar? They were the Pharisees. And Jesus is going right at them and he's saying, you're missing it. You're missing the point. You're missing it. And he needs to wake them up. And you know what happens? If you know the rest of the story, they don't listen to Jesus. And so here's what I want us to wrestle with this morning, is the things that Jesus is going to call the Pharisees out on, he's calling us out on. He he is exposing it to us, and here's the question that you need to wrestle with. Will you listen to him? Pharisees don't. They eventually have him killed. But will you listen to Jesus? No matter how harsh it may seem, no matter how convicted you may feel, will you listen to Jesus for yourself? So let's walk through what Jesus says, because he says a few things to them. And actually, he uses a series of images to help show them how they're missing the point. So he, he breaks the social norm of not washing his hands, and then he begins to talk about dishes. He talks about dishes. Listen to verse 39 as he begins to to address the deeper concern. Verse, uh, verse 20, 39, sorry, says this, Now you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but the inside, implication, you don't clean the inside. You are full of greed and wickedness. And when I read this verse, I think of guacamole. And you're like, wow, how are you thinking about guacamole? They didn't really eat that back in ancient Israel. Here's why I think about it. Maybe you've had guacamole before. You put it in the bowl. You put it out. Here's what you need to know, and maybe you've learned firsthand about this. When you're done eating the guacamole, you better not let that sit because it turns into green or like gray cement 
very quickly. And then it's like, it's going to be really hard to get that residue out of that bowl. And so what maybe you end up doing is, hey, we're going to clean the outside of the bowl, but there's some residue left in, and you can't really clean that out. And then you pour cereal in the bowl next morning, you put milk and cereal. And it's like, man, there's a strange taste in my cereal this morning. It's not good, right? See, that is what Jesus is holding up to the Pharisees and saying, listen, you, you've been focusing on this ritual cleansing all of these purity things you do to, to kind of show how clean you are, and you focus on them. But here's the thing, you focus so much on them, it's like you're just washing the outside of a bowl, and you're ignoring the inside. And you know what happens when you do that? It gets really nasty and disgusting. And Jesus says, you focus on looking good on the outside, like a bowl that's freshly cleaned, but on the inside, you ignore it. And you know what's inside? He says there's greed. There's selfishness. There's this desire that is evil within you, and you leave it unaddressed because you're focused on the outside, and you neglect the inside. You know, Jesus, he doesn't say it here, but he has a particular word to describe that over and over again where you Make the outside look good, but the inside looks very different. And maybe you've heard this word before. Jesus uses it often. He says that that is a hypocrite. When you look one way on the outside, but on the inside, you look nothing like it. Your outside does not match who you are on the inside. And the word hypocrite, a little bit of history for you, is actually a Greek word that comes from kind of the Greek plays, and it quite literally was the word for an actor. And so, in a sense, like, actors are meant to be hypocrites where you put on a mask, and so you give off this appearance of one thing, but you're a different person on the inside. And now when you go to a movie, when you go to a play, you expect it, right? Like, we know that. And so it's like, yes, they are, by definition, a hypocrite. They are someone who they actually aren't. But when you are in your real life, it's not a good thing. And Jesus is calling that out on the Pharisees. He's like, you want to give off this good image, but never address the deeper issues on the inside. And before we think it's just a Pharisee problem, we do the same thing, don't we? We put on the appearance of being very successful. All the while on the inside, we feel empty and bitter. We put off on the appearance that that we are We are very good and religious people, but on the inside, it is empty and hollow and self-righteous, and we're doing it for ourselves and how it makes us feel rather than the needs of our neighbor. And there's a whole bunch of other ways that we do that, where we put on a mask, but on the inside, we leave it unaddressed. See, Jesus is saying that's not how he works. He wants to wash the dishes. It reminds me of the Old Testament verse from 1 Samuel chapter 16 where they are anointing a future king of Israel. And here's what it says. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, who was a prophet, who was going to anoint the new king. He says, Samuel, as you're looking at this line of, of sons of Jesse, he had a whole bunch of them. God says this to Samuel, don't look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I will reject those. But rather, the Lord sees not as humans see, for humans look on the outward appearance. But where does God look? God looks on the heart. 
Jesus wants to do the dishes. He wants to do not just the outside of your life and make you a better person, but he wants to deal with the things that are deep down inside of you that maybe you don't like to admit about yourself. The greed, the hypocrisy, the motivations. And some of us hide those away, but Jesus says, no, I want to deal with those and transform that from within you. And the only way that happens is by you being honest with him about it, by you being honest with yourself about it, by bringing to light, man, I've got this wickedness within me. It's not just about me doing something different. It's about me acknowledging the motivations of my very own heart and bringing them to Jesus, confessing them to Jesus, and there Jesus forgives it. He washes you clean and he transforms you. But it only happens, it only happens when we're honest about it and we put down the mask. Jesus makes it okay to do that. Jesus continues, though. He says that, listen, you guys need to clean the inside. He moves on from this image of dishes, and then he moves on to spices. You continue in verse 42 now. Here's what Jesus, as he continues, he says this at the beginning of verse 42. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb. Now, I'll pause there. When he says, woe to you Pharisees, he's not like, whoa, dude, like that's not what he's saying. He's like, whoa, as in Jesus is grieved over the state they are in and he's pleading with them to change. Like Jesus, when he says that, whoa, it is a, it is a grief over his people that, that refuse to, to acknowledge the deeper issues going on and it's a plea for him that they would change. And so Jesus is saying, woe to you Pharisees. You guys, I need to break in. We need to have an intervention. And I need to, be, I need to speak harsh truth to you so that you wake up, so that you deal with the root and real issue. And then Jesus goes on, he says, woe to you for you tithe mint and, and all these different spices, which you're like, I didn't bring my spices to church today. So sorry about that. But remember, back then, it's an agrarian society, and when they tithe, they gave of all of their resources to the temple, to the work of God. And so part of that was like your crop, was your spices. They would tithe that even to the littlest detail. And so on the surface, you may think Jesus is saying, you guys are in the wrong because you give. And some of you are like, amen, Jesus. <laughs> but he's not saying that. See, if you keep reading, he says, woe to you, for this is what you tithe. You tithe the little details. You tithe the small things in life. But then Jesus goes on, and here's the, the second part. He says, but you neglect justice and the heart and love of God. These, the spices, you've ought to have done while not neglecting the other you should tithe, you should be generous, you should give back to God what he asks of you, but not while neglecting the main thing. The main thing of justice and love of God. That's what Jesus wants them to realize, that they have majored in the minors. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. The little details, the secondary things, you make those ultimate. And that's what they were doing. 
You know, we do this from time to time, right? Like maybe at work or maybe at home, you know, man, I got a big project that I need to work on. It's looming. It's a big deal. It's a high-priority project. But you know, man, it's going to take a lot of time, effort. I don't know how it's going to go. So here's what we sometimes do. I'm going to focus on the little thing to occupy my time so I can say, look, I've been busy. I haven't been able to get around to the big thing that I know I need to do. Maybe I'm alone in that, but maybe I'm not, right? We distract ourselves sometimes with doing things that are good things, but ultimately secondary things. And Jesus is saying, the Pharisees, this is what you do. You focus on these personal acts of piety, which are in and of themselves good, but you do so saying, I'm going to focus on this little detail of God's law, and I'm going to neglect the fact that God tells me to love my neighbor as myself. And I'm going to neglect the fact that God says that my love for him is what I'm called to live out every single day of my life and that he is the most important thing. I'll focus on the little details and I'll neglect the big thing. And Jesus is calling them out. And he says, no, this is the most important thing. That you live a life of justice. Which that word simply means this in biblical terms. The word justice means this, to make things right. When you see a wrong in somebody's life, you want to make it right. When you see a wrong in your life, you want to advocate, and you want to speak up and say, I want to help make this right. It is taking something that is wrong and seeking to make it right. That's what justice is. Injustice was when things are wrong and off course. And God says, I want my people to be about justice. Looking at the world around them, looking at their neighbor's life, looking at their own life and saying, what is wrong and how can I seek to make it right? But it's also about the love of God. It's about recognizing that God's love is central to our entire life. That Jesus himself has shown us what love looks like. Love is sacrifice. Love is is laying down your life, and we see that in Jesus. And it's setting our sights on him and his love for us and seeing that that's the most important thing. The most important priority in our life is keeping our eyes fixed on the love of God in Jesus Christ and seeking to bring justice into our world. And Jesus says, that's the main thing. And he invites us to ask ourselves, Have I made that the main thing in my life? Have you made that the main thing? That the love of God in Jesus Christ is what you set your eyes on and that you let your life be a life of justice around you? Have you let your life be that focused? That's what Jesus invites us to acknowledge and to live out. But Jesus continues on to another metaphor. Not spices, but seats. He calls out not only their hypocrisy, not only the fact that they are making the minor things more important, but he talks about seats. Continuing in verse 43, he says this, Woe to you Pharisees, there's that word again, woe. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Now, for us as 21st century people, we read that, we don't totally understand like, okay, what's, what's the issue that he's talking about? That He's getting on them for where they sit down in church and for as they walk around in public. What exactly is the big issue? Well, 
Remember, he's talking to these Pharisees, these religious leaders, and so what they would do when they would walk in the synagogue, when they would walk around in the marketplace, is they would wear certain things. They would wear these things called phylacteries and tassels. I know all of you have your phylacteries and tassels sitting at home, I know, waiting to bring them out. Uh, But here's what those are. Phylacteries were these like wooden boxes oftentimes you would put on your forehead. And actually, if you look at Orthodox Jews, many of them still wear it today. It's literally the words of God, and they would put it on their forehead, and they would put it on other parts of their body as kind of a symbolic way of saying God's Word is on our mind. It's, it's on our hands. It's all over us. It is priority. And here's the thing that they would do. They would, they would make them bigger and bigger sometimes so that other people would look at them and be like, wow, look at your phylacteries. <laughs> I don't know how many of you have had that compliment before, but they would do it. And you know why they're doing that? And they would wear their tassels long and people would be like, wow, those are really good looking tassels. They would do that in order to get recognition for themselves. And so they're walking around church, they're walking around the main marketplace, and they're showing everyone, look how awesome I look. I'm a big deal. And now I know this is for people who aren't here in this room right now. This is for the other people. People still struggle with that today, right? But again, not us, not here in the room. We struggle with this. We live our lives and sometimes we live our lives and sometimes we live our faith out saying, look how awesome I am. We, we live our lives out in the world and we want people to notice us and we want people to say, you're awesome. And sometimes we even use our faith to do it. We, we, we show people on, on social media, look at me reading my Bible, or, or all these other ways. We do all these things to be noticed by other people. And, and as Christians, we want people to notice and say, wow, you're a really good Christian. You do a lot of really good things. And Jesus is calling them out He calls us out. And really what he wants to recognize is this. Your life is not about you. And that you, seeking the approval of other people and for them to say, look how awesome you are, he's saying you're missing the point. The point isn't how awesome we are, but rather who he is. And so the things we do, we want them not to be focused on us, we want them to be focused on him. We want people to look at us and recognize, wow, the goodness that's in you, but we won't want to keep it at us. We want to direct it to him and say, no, it's only Christ living in me and guiding me and what he's done for me. We want people to not focus on us, but to focus on him because we already have the approval we desperately need. Like, that's why we do it. That's why we wear the phylacteries, right? And that's going to look a lot of different things for you, but that's why we do it, to be noticed by people because we want their approval. And Jesus wants you to remember this, you don't need their approval. Don't be a jerk, don't do that, but don't live your life seeking the approval of other people because here's the thing, it is going to lead to a dead end. Realize that you already have the approval you desperately need. You have the approval of God in Jesus Christ. Not because you've earned it, but because Christ has given it to you. Christ has won the approval of God for you, and he places it over you. And so you can know deep down, the approval I desperately need, I already have in Jesus. So stop living your life trying to get people to look at you. 
because you don't need their approval. You already have the approval you need in Christ. So when you pick the seats, which we'll talk about this next week more in detail, when you pick where you sit, where you pick what you do and how you live, don't do it to get noticed. Don't do it to bring the attention on yourself, but rather put the focus on Christ. There's one more thing Jesus talks about, though, because all these things we've mentioned, um, dishes and the idea of hypocrisy, uh, spices and the idea of like what's most important, seats and appearance and the way of like whose approval are you seeking, all these things are like universal human struggles. Like I'm guarantee, I, I'm willing to bet that all of us in one way, shape, or form struggle with one or multiple of these things, right? We struggle with them in our own hearts. And, and so there's maybe a part of us that's like, why is Jesus so angry? Because he's angry right now. Why is he so worked up? This is just a normal part of life. What's the big deal? Well, to understand why it's a big deal is, again, in the Jewish law, and the Pharisees were very familiar with it, they had a number of laws about washing ceremonially, but also they had a number of laws about, like, don't touch, like, dead bodies and graves, which is, like, the ultimate form of impurity, like, don't go around and, and kind of touch a tomb because you'll become impure, you'll become unclean, so you need to, to stay clear of those. And so one thing they would do is tombs, they would whitewash them. They would make them white so that everybody saw them, so that everybody knew, don't go near that because then you'll become impure. And then you got to do like a whole big thing. Like you remember with, with COVID stuff and being like quarantined for like two weeks, it was that level of like, you can't be around anybody for a huge stretch of time because you became impure by being close to, to dead bodies. Jesus uses this image of graves to highlight the significance, because listen to what he says in verse 43. He then looks at them and says this, woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat, and then verse 44, woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing. Knowing the cultural context they're in, this is about the harshest thing Jesus could say to them. He's saying to them this, you think that you're clean and pure and faithful, but what are you? You are quite literally the walking dead. And you think you're staying pure, but all these things you're doing actually make you unclean. They make you like a, a tomb, like a grave. And when people come around you, you make them unclean by how you're living your life. You're showing them not the way of God, but the way of death. And so for Jesus, these things we're talking about are of utmost importance. Now, when we think about this and the seriousness of hypocrisy, the seriousness of, of making the main thing the main thing, the, the seriousness of, uh, of also, um, you know, our approval and our appearances. Here's what I want you to realize. Um, when we read the Scripture reading, and we end on this note of your walking graves, when we say in church, we say, this is the Word of the Lord, and oftentimes we respond this way, thanks be to God, right? This is the Word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Maybe some of you were like, should I be giving thanks for this right now? Because this is not a, 
a cheerful word. It's a harsh word. But don't you realize what Jesus is doing for us and why we can celebrate and say, thank you, Jesus, for speaking this to me, even though it's harsh, even though it's convicting. I need to hear it because Jesus wants you to not miss it. He speaks harshly because he needs to intervene in my heart and your heart because we all struggle with this over and over. And he wants us to never forget the main thing, that the main thing is him, that he has come into our world and he has entered into our very graves. He has died for us and he has risen for us. And so our lives are meant to be focused on him We can let down the mask and be honest about ourselves. Why can we do that? Because Jesus has forgiven you. So you can be honest with yourself, with others, with God. You don't need to be a hypocrite. You don't need to put on a mask. You can focus on the main thing because Jesus has shown you what the main thing is because he has taken the justice we deserve and he has come to show you the love of God and you can focus on him. And you can live your life not seeking the approval of others because Jesus has already given you that approval. He has met you at your lowest moment, and so we focus on him. But in order to understand that, he needs to speak this word to us. So the question is this, will you listen to him? I mentioned that the Pharisees didn't, and they missed out. Jesus doesn't want you to miss it. He wants you to listen to these words which are hard to hear, but they're the words that awaken you to what he has done for you, that he loves you, that he has redeemed you, and he invites you to focus on him. Amen.